0: Connected. 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 connected Futures.
1: Connected Futures. At the intersection of business, technology, and people is Connected Futures, your guide to business success. smart machines make us more productive or just take jobs away? With computers now writing financial stories for the Associated Press, processing contract work for law firms, and driving cars without our assistance, businesses are preparing for a new world in which computers are increasingly taking on knowledge tasks. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? In this Connected Futures podcast, we aim to find out. Hi, my name is Paul Gillen. Thanks for joining us. Our guest, Tom Davenport, chooses to be an optimist about smart machines. He and Julia Kirby have just co-authored a book, His 17th, called Only Humans Need Apply, Winners and Losers in the Age of Smart Machines. Davenport believes there will be disruption as smart machines permeate the workforce. But if we adopt a strategy of augmentation rather than just automation, we'll be more productive and less bogged down with trivia. Tom is a President's Distinguished Professor of Information Technology and Management at Babson College, and the co-founder of the International Institute for Analytics. He's also a fellow at the MIT Center for Digital Business and a lecturer at Babson Harvard Business School, the MIT Sloan School, and Boston University. Tom Davenport, thanks for joining us today. In which areas do you believe smart machines will have the greatest impact over the next few years? You find a lot of pieces of
0: smart um, technologies in a whole variety of things. I, I had breakfast with a guy this morning who uses machine learning for cleaning up and integrating data within an organization and um, I was talking recently with an organization uh, sort of a startup in the Boston area that uses AI for wealth management but you know, the AI is sort of in pieces and I, in a way I think that's probably going to be more successful than the hugely transformative things like autonomous driving and in a way that's what we're seeing with autonomous driving the initiatives that involve full autonomy seem to be a bit at risk right now and the automakers keep making their vehicles smarter and smarter but i don't really want to encourage people to to go to sleep or watch a movie. We'll probably see a whole variety of things where technology sort of gets smarter and smarter without us fully realizing it.
1: You talk a lot about the effect on jobs, and many people are worried about jobs going away. But is this really an issue of jobs or more of skills? I would say neither,
0: but related to both, which I'd say the issue is tasks, and maybe that's more related to skills. But um, I think AI... And cognitive technologies take over certain tasks within jobs. And that's good news in a way because they rarely take entire jobs. On the other hand, I think it means that as tasks get taken over one by one, we don't need quite as many people to do that job as before because, I don't know, um, 10 or 20% of the job has been... Is being done by a machine now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the good news is that enhances the productivity of the people performing it, and we need productivity to really grow our economy. But the bad news, I think, is that we won't have as many people employed, I'm guessing, you know, 10% fewer, 15%, something like that. The other bad news is most of the tasks that get taken over are the ones that are often done by entry-level people in jobs and so that's why i think it's going to be particularly tough for you know entry level knowledge workers architects it already is tough for them entry level lawyers we already have a huge glut
1: of glut of them how do you think top executives should start preparing now for smart machines i recommend a strategy of saying from the beginning
0: we're going to use this for augmentation and not automation we're not going to to get rid of People as a direct result of, of putting in these machines, and then that gives people the the comfort to the security to start looking around for innovative things that they can do in their job with with smart machines. Um, then I think you know, it's there's some investigation about what are the possible. Um, technology categories, you know, there are a bunch of different cognitive technologies, and some are, are more statistical in nature, and some we still have some kind of rule-oriented ones. The, um, the more sophisticated they are, the, I think the harder they are to develop still, but um, there's some quick wins that you can get from the, from the more pedestrian types, um, and then think about it sort of process by process. Where could we, where do we have knowledge bottlenecks? Where um, do we need some more productivity? Where do we need better decisions? And think about how we might inject cognitive technologies into those. And then I think there's some sort of, you know, some new version of business process reengineering that needs to take place where you're thinking about, well, what does a machine do in that process? What does the human do? How can we redesign it for much better performance?
1: Uh, Tom, you probably saw that the CEO of McDonald's recently used automation as a threat in trying to counter employee demands for a higher minimum wage. Do you see more of that kind of behavior where automation is used perhaps as a negotiation tactic? That was the only mention thus far, I think, of
0: automation and job loss in the presidential debates. Marco Rubio said, oh, we don't want to raise the minimum wage because that will encourage people to use more automation technology. I was glad he mentioned it anyway. I don't... um, I don't really agree with that idea of using it as a threat. I think, you know, then pretty soon we'll be in the sort of Luddite mode where people are smashing the machines who, that took their jobs. Um, I think, what well, you know, what you tend to find in those kinds of settings is even when you have the machines, it really doesn't reduce the the need for workers all that much. I mean, how long have we had... Um, point of sale self checkout capabilities in supermarkets. I you know maybe it's slightly reduced the number of of um, point of sale checkout people, but not much. In banking, you know we still have roughly the same number of bank tellers as we had in 1980 after online banking and. Eight ATMs and so on. You know, the population's grown a lot since 1980, and, and bank tellers haven't kept up, but people find other things to do, and they do the more complex transactions, and I, you don't want to recommend it as a career to anybody, but it's slow for these things to happen.
1: And you mentioned that people will find other things to do, but at the low end, that may not be so easy, don't you think?
0: That's where I'm the most worried. I mentioned, you know, the th- three million truck drivers in this country. And if we do have fully autonomous vehicles, I think it's going to be a while. But if we do, that could be really um, bad for them. And it's in part because I think people in those jobs, it's harder for them maybe to sort of add um capabilities so they can add value to the machine
1: over time. Which relates to your concept of becoming what you call friends with the machine. Now, your optimism is really based upon the idea that humans augment machines rather than are replaced by them. Is that ultimately how you think this plays out? I don't want to
0: minimize the possibility that there will be some people who lose their jobs because of this, but I think the bulk of Um, workers, knowledge workers in particular, I think can have pretty successful careers by augmenting the machines and having the machines augment them rather than being fully replaced by them. But, but it does require some effort to, you know, figure out how the machines do their jobs and what they're good at and what they're not so good at and, and kind of where, where humans can fill in and provide some value.
1: In your book, you outline five augmentation steps that organizations can take and that individuals can take. Can you go over them here? There are three steps, augmentation steps, that are around
0: working with machines and two that involve sort of an in run around them. The, the three that involve working with include stepping in, which is sort of the core of the augmentation um, idea where you – you work with the machines closely day-to-day. They're your kind of uh, partners in, in doing the day-to-day work. You know their strengths and weaknesses, and you step in when they have a problem, and you gather data for them, and, you know, so on, so make them your, your direct colleague. Stepping up is sort of a managerial role, looking at how's the outcome of this automated process working. I, mean, I think of a hedge fund manager who who where all this stock and bond trading is done by machine, but somebody's got to look at the entire portfolio and say, how's this working and are we succeeding? Uh, Do we need more or less automation? And then finally, in that category, they're stepping forward, which is building the machines of of the future that that people will use. um, Mostly a vendor-oriented set of roles, I think. And then, uh, they're stepping aside and stepping narrowly that are the non- um, machine centric kinds of jobs stepping aside doing things that machines aren't and aren't likely to be very good at um, highly empathetic jobs highly creative jobs and very unstructured jobs and then stepping narrowly is doing something that is in such a small niche that even if it could be automated chances are good that nobody would bother um, I first read Boston Globe story about a guy who buys and sells or connects buyers and sellers of Dunkin' Donuts franchises and I thought that's that's a good stepping narrowly role.
1: Uh, Tom, what skills do you think hiring managers should be looking for today as they look to build a work for, workforce that can accommodate this change? Yeah,
0: I think it'll be uh, um, increasingly bifurcated and you'll have some uh, members of the workforce who are comfortable with technology, who want to figure out you know how to how the machine works and how to make it better. Um, who you know maybe can refine it, modify it a bit, if not if not build it in the first place. And then you'll have another um, group of people, including managers, I think, who are more human oriented, if you will, one to spend their days working with humans, not machines. Um, have strong empathy, um, strong you know, people, relationship skills. And so they can do that and the other people can do the machines. And, you know, I like to think they'd be equally rewarded. And I think in our economy right now, the people who can deal with machines, hedge fund managers, as a great example, tend to be pretty well compensated and yeah, leads to more productivity. So in a way, it's not surprising.
1: Do you think there are certain categories of jobs that will never be displaced? I think
0: that there will, if only because humans prefer to deal with them, I think kind of nursing, uh, frontline physicians, Mm -hmm. um, uh, general practitioners, I think people will prefer to get um, that kind of uh, news and advice and behavior change suggestions and so on from a... um, person rather than a machine somebody was saying to me the other good category for this is personal trainer so you you may you could have an app that tells you what exercises you should do but I think the motivation is much to you know get out and exercise is much stronger typically with a, a human who's pestering you to to do it um Psychiatry, I think humans are so screwed up, it's unlikely that computers could ever could ever do a good job of figuring them out. But again, it's sort of encouraging people to change. How
1: about competitive advantage? Uh, will that emerge from smart machines, or in fact, do they simply level the playing field? Well, I
0: think the automation approach definitely levels the playing field. And if you're saying, okay, we're gonna take out, we're gonna yank out of people, we're gonna put in machines, very structured, very programmed, you know, by definition, um, it's kind of a race to the bottom in the sense of that that if everybody in the industry does the same thing, it ends up lowering margins, prices, et cetera. Um, less innovation probably because, you know, once you program something, it's hard to create new, new stuff with it easily. Um, I think the augmentation approaches promise um, competitive advantage if they're really done well in the sense that if somebody with the aid of these machines can provide you with better advice and a human touch, then I think um, customers will gravitate toward it, would be my guess. And I think eventually we'll have machines that will help us think about what product should I be developing, um, and that certainly
1: could have competitive advantage. I'm sure you saw that Switzerland recently defeated a proposal that would provide a basic income level for people who were rendered unemployable, essentially by automation. Now, despite that move being defeated, do you think that we are eventually looking at a sort of welfare system for jobs that disappear? Yeah, I think
0: for the people who can't make the transition into this new um, machine-driven economy, I think that is a reasonable Possibility and there are, it did get defeated in Switzerland, but I guess there are some experiments going on in the Netherlands and in uh, Finland for it. Um, Eventually, I think um, we might have to do it. I'm more of an advocate, really, of providing people not with a guaranteed income but with a guaranteed job so that they have some something to do and some meaning in life from their job but in general the experiments with what people do with their time when they're given a guaranteed income are not highly encouraging they tend to you know watch more tv and sleep more
1: what do you think ceos should be doing right now to prepare on a holistic level for smarter machines a big picture
0: oriented ceo should be thinking about huh how is this going to affect the competitive dynamics of my industry? I mean, I was talking the other day with a a, um, call center company um, that operates call centers for other firms, and um, they were thinking, well, what is AI going to do to our industry? There are already tools that will automate customer interaction so you can change your passwords or you know get a new atm card without having to talk to a person and um this company has succeeded because they're taking all the hassles of managing a big staff of call center um, agents but when you don't need to do that anymore will people need to outsource it anymore they'll buy the software themselves the whole outsourcing industry i think is likely to be dramatically changed by these technologies so um You know, if you're in insurance, what does self-driving cars mean for you? That's a really tough problem, but it's certainly true that you need to start thinking about it now. So I think there could be, you know, kind of major changes in a lot of industries because of these technologies and it's not too early at all to begin thinking about them, although you nobody can know exactly what's how quickly these things will develop and so on.
1: How do you see the evolution taking place on the technology side? We're starting
0: to see sort of a lot of disaggregation of these cognitive technologies. And, you know, the initial model that most people had, in part because of, of uh, the success of, of IBM's advertising with Watson, was that you're a big transformative application involving, you know, lots of capabilities and lots of services, probably to set it up. But now there's a lot of open source activity. I mean, even Watson has become quite disaggregated into different APIs, and you can sort of pick and choose and assemble them. So I think the market for this kind of technology is changing very rapidly, and it's really in a kind of an assemble from components sort of Model, I think many of which will be open source in the in the pretty near future. Um, and as I suggested earlier, maybe kind of less transformative, big transformative applications, and more. How do we inject a little bit of intelligence into almost everything yeah. else we do?
1: I'd like to thank Tom Davenport for joining us today. His book is Only Humans Need Apply, Winners and Losers in the Age of Smart Machines by Tom Davenport and Julia Kirby. It's a very easy-to-read book. It's a very provocative book, and it certainly will get you thinking about the future. Thanks for listening. This is Paul Gillick. For more insights, analysis, and the voice of thought leaders, go to the Connected Futures online magazine at connectedfuturesmag.com.